Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu and I'm your host, and today we're joined by a very special guest, Mr. David Keish. David, how's it going today? Good evening, brothers and sisters. I'm doing better than I deserve. To God be the glory. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is David Keish, as, Mar- as Marcus mentioned. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I attend Bethany Romania Pentecostal Church, and um, I've been a Christian for almost about six years now. And I've been given this opportunity to share about what God's been doing in my life the past six years, what I've seen on the mission field. And I'm thankful for this opportunity and this privilege to be upon uh, the Potter's House podcast, this opportunity to share about God's uh, faithfulness, His goodness, His mercy, His love, and uh, most importantly, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God that is alive and active, that is working uh, to this day. You know, it's sharper than a double-edged sword, as the Word of God says. And I see it, you know, working overseas I see, I see the Word of God transforming lives uh, here through, through my friends, through the church community, and it's uh, awesome to be, uh, uh, to be a part of such a big family, the, the family of Christ, the, fa- the church family, and knowing that I have brothers and sisters around the world, it's just uh, awesome to, you know, I, I go to Tanzania, I go to Honduras, and we, sometimes you don't even speak the language, but it's just the, the brotherly love that brings you together is just phenomenal. It's, and I, I, my only regret is not becoming a Christian, you know, not accepting Jesus Christ into my heart or earlier in my life, but I'm thankful for this opportunity to share. Yeah, and thank you so much for just uh, just being on here. I'm, I'm really grateful to have you on, and I think that the episode that uh, we have planned out for today is going to be very beneficial for a lot of the listeners out there. And it's great to see that uh, these last few years uh, you were able to kind of start going in the mission field and, and God was working in your life in that way. Uh, because I, I don't know. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Uh, do you remember when we met for the first time? I just want, I just want to ask, I was curious. I didn't bring it up before because I wanted to see if you remember the first time we met, uh, I believe was in 2013 or 2014. Uh, I was about 16 years old. I made my, my way to Arizona and, uh, plans fell through with one of my friends. So I actually went to Cali and uh, through through Debbie, I was able to make it to California, who I knew previously from 2013 from a youth choir trip in California. And then uh, I met you at the kids camp, I believe, at the church kids camp. They asked me to be their photographer for the weekend, and then that's where we kind of, you know, got in, in touch. But uh, you know, I wasn't saved back then. I, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't really affiliated with the church much. But that's the first time that we met, and I believe. Uh, um, wow! I mean, I saw I am, you once more at a convention, and then you know, probably we just, yeah, yeah. Five years later, here we are. Well, I'm actually impressed. I'm surprised you remember that. That was because it was a long time ago. It was like 2013, 24, like 2015, I think. But but yeah, it was super random that because for us, we would go to the kids' camps as leaders, and that would be like the fun. It would be fun, more fun for the leaders than for the kids because we just kind of like let the kids do their own thing, and we kind of like just mess around and stuff. Uh, with like pranks and jokes and stuff, which by the way, I do not condone that behavior now is that now I'm older and more mature, but, uh, but you came and it was like super random, but, uh, who would have thought that back then, like the first interaction back then. And then now like six, seven years later, uh, we're, we're here, we're doing this and we're, we're serving in our respective ministries. And now they've kind of intersected in this way where we can kind of share how God's worked. But, uh, that's awesome, man. That's that's cool, and I'm I'm, I'm grateful that uh, I can call you a friend, and I'm grateful that we we have this opportunity to to share your your testimony and uh, what you've seen uh, out there in the mission field. I think it's going to be great. Hallelujah! To God be the glory. 
Amen. And uh, before we get started with the episode, uh, I do want to make a couple of quick announcements for you listeners out there. Uh, just the same old uh, things that we've been hearing these last couple of weeks. But you can follow us on our Instagram at the Potter's House. That's where we'll have any and all updates. So check that out. Uh, also, uh, regarding streaming, we're uh, on multiple platforms, but we're no- most notably on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you uh, haven't checked that out already, and um, if you do listen on Apple Podcasts, if you do have that purple icon on your iPhone, please go to that app, uh, scroll all the way down on the podcast page, tap the stars and leave a written review because it really helps with the exposure of the show. And uh, if you do leave a written review, I will also uh, read it out loud on the show as well. So uh, last but not least, we got that um, the website that's still up, that's still a work in progress, but um We'll see what, what, what happens with it in the next couple of months, but uh, it's thepottershouse.com, and you can find that link directly on the Instagram bio page. So, so far, we got the, the long sleeves there. They're still there. Uh, we're going to have a little sale. We have, we have a few left, and we're going to have a sale coming up just because I want to kind of get rid of them because they're just kind of getting in my way, and I'm tripping over them. So uh, stay tuned for that. I'll have more updates on the Instagram account for that. But uh, until then, uh, we will let you know. So. So Don, back to the episode. So, so David, we're, we were you kind of mentioned this uh, in your little intro about uh, different places in the last couple of years that you visited, um, Honduras, Tanzania. Uh, those are two of the most notable ones that I remember seeing through social media, seeing you go and visit. Uh, actually, I, I think I believe you just got back from Honduras last week. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. We had a yeah. uh, week out trip to the islands of Utila, and we were able to have street evangelisms, the kids, kids ministry, and then we had a uh, we connected with a local church, the Church of God. It's called Church of God. I'm not sure if they're affiliated with the Church of God assemblies, but um, we were able to connect with the pastor there, Brother Wilson, 75 years old, family immigrated uh, from Arkansas in 1863. His great great grandfather John. Um, basically fled the U.S., went to the islands of Honduras, Utila, where they started farming. And yeah, he's been a pastor for over 50 years. He said the church is around 25 members. People are still scared from Corona uh, heading back. But uh, we had a a powerful outcome Sunday night. We had about 350 people uh, that came to Sunday night service. People got healed. A lady, a young girl, 17, 18 years old, was hit by a motorcycle on the island, there's only motorcycle, golf carts, mopeds, uh, bicycles, and she got hit by a motorcycle walking onto the main road, and she had a neck brace on. We saw her friends, you know, kind of walk her slowly to the front. We prayed for her, anointed her, and we we said through faith, please take off your neck brace, and we believe, you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We're not here to put on a show. We're not here, you know, for people to marvel. We're just here to to show God's glory and the full gospel message of Jesus Christ. He he was, uh, you know, by his stripes we are healed. By you know the wounds, the the backlashes that he took were for our healing. Was for is for our healing, and and I told her I believe in a hundred percent that Jesus Christ can heal you, and she took off her neck brace and you know just moved her eyes towards me and then she she completely moved her neck and fell to her knees in tears and awe uh she said i couldn't move my neck the past few days i was at, she was actually supposed to take a boat ride the next following morning at 7:30 a.m. with us to go to San Pedro Sula the one of the larger cities of Honduras to go get x-rays on her on her neck on her spine and uh, she said she's going to cancel that because she was fully healed and it was awesome to see uh you know to witness 
um, the, the working hand of God, His mercy, His healing power, um, and just like submission of sicknesses, of diseases, uh, just flee at the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, praise God. Wow, that's that's awesome to hear. And I'm glad that God was working uh, you know, so recently and how, how, how He was able to work through that girl. Um, so you mentioned at the very beginning when we were talking about how we met, uh, you said you were like 16, you kind of went on this trip, and you mentioned that you weren't really... You said it yourself. You weren't saved at the time. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to say thing. You were the one who said that. So, um, so that's you were a teenager back then. That's where you were uh, at the time, and now you're you're almost you're you're very involved in the mission field. You're you're going to these places all the time. Um, talk to us about the, the transition period. How did you become? How did you go from like a young person just minding his own business, maybe not so involved in the church? to like a basically a part-time missionary like every every month or so just going somewhere and doing doing the work of God. So how, how did that come to be? How did God open the door? Uh what's the story behind that? So basically um my sister is a big um a big part of why, you know, I believe in my my parents' prayers of why I am the man that I am today and where I am. Today is uh she repented in 2013 on um on a Spain, Italy trip with our church. And I remember the first thing she walked in that door, she put her hand on my knee and she's like, David, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I look at her, I'm like, man, Sabrina, they, they got you. Like they brainwashed you. They got you. You know, I'm not a part of that. Uh, you know, I'll go to church and stuff like that, but being fully committed, devoted, that's just not my thing. Um, out of like broken relationships and, and friendships, fallen friendships, um, the world at one point became more attractive to me than, than church. And I'm like, man, if, you know, if people from the church can do me wrong and stuff like that, I might as well go with those people in the world. Cause they feel, they seem to be more friendly. They feel they, they're making me feel more accepted. So uh, I never drank, never smoked in my life. Uh, never did, you know, these things. So I went to a few parties and stuff like that just to kind of be with these people um, uh, but I, I got, I got heavily into like working out into, you know, taking out my anger and my emptiness and my void and finding satis satisfaction in that. But it, it truly didn't, didn't help with anything. It just left me emptier and emptier every night. And it got to the point where January 15th, um, 2016, uh, you know, through, through street racing, the car club that I used to be in and, and all that, it, you know, the being with the round crowd, you know, I was actually, I was threatened to be, to be killed. And that moment, January 15, 2016 at 1230 AM, I remember I prayed my first prayer and uh, knowing that at any moment I could die right now, uh, I prayed my first prayer, behind, subconscious thought prayer. I'm like, God, if you truly are, you know, the man that People say you are, and you're the man of the Bible, and you're up there. Give me a second chance at life, and I'll serve you the rest of my life. And this very moment, moments before, my ears started ringing. Um, my head started spinning, and I felt that I was going to pass out, knowing that, hey, man, I could get shot right now. I could die. And um, I prayed this prayer, and I saw cop lights coming to the second-story parking garage where I was parked. I remember I had the biggest you know, sigh of relief. Um... Unfortunately, I know I don't know how to say this word, and there's no English translation for this word. Uh, I was truly, you know, touched by by the Holy Spirit, by the love of God over my life. I wasn't an altar, I wasn't at a church, 
Um, I wasn't amongst Christians, but I got in my car and started weeping like a little baby, like a little boy, and and I, I couldn't stop crying until I got home. I realized through my own strength, my own knowledge, and every you know the man that I thought I that I thought that I was, I could have been gone in a moment. And uh, back then, I was dealing with you know other addictions and strongholds over my life, and I knew. I wouldn't even see judgment, like I would straight go to hell. And I knew that this was only God's, you know, mercy and God's grace that I'm alive to this day. And I remember I got home, I prayed over my doorknob, I, you know, it's I'm like just a Christian or I just accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I promised him, I promised him if he gave me a second chance at life, I'll serve him the rest of my life. Um, that night I, I made a you know, complete decision to to go to I made a final decision to go to missionary school. I attended God Provide Missionary School in uh, Portland, Oregon, spring 2016. Um, Semester started seven days after uh, January 22nd. Um, And man, I've, (laughs) that's a story and a testimony of its own. But um, I did have to, you know, I had to let go of a good offer for, for something. Uh, for something even greater. Uh, for those who don't know, I, I was going to attend DePaul University, uh, do a radiology technician program. Uh, and I already had, you know, I was working with the college advisor at Niles West. I was in there all the time looking for grand scholarships. And I was uh, you know, pr- doing pretty well in school. Um, but I, I, I realized this whole time that uh, as my sister kept on dragging me to prayer meetings, um, she would say, Hey, David, I know, you know, you're not too much in the church, but you know, if you just give God a chance and come to this prayer meeting with me, uh, you know, just maybe God will speak to you. And I remember specifically a few months, a few months before my repentance, God spoke to me and said, David, and, uh, you know, he started speaking how I would go to the nations, how, you know, I have rocks, I'm, I'm stepping on ro- uh, rocky terrain right now, but he'll, he'll fertilize the soil before me. And uh, he'll he'll use me to work his harvest, and I I was just looking at people around. I was like looking in the circle. I'm like, man, who else is named here? David. This is this cannot be me. Like it has to be some other David. And uh, you know the prophet got up and you know pointed at me. He's like, you know, this is the calling that God has over your life. And ever since like that that one night, it was months before I came to repentance. I'm like, how in the world am I gonna do this? Like, I'm not I'm not even Christian. Like, why would God use me? Like, how how is this gonna come to pass? You know, I knew the sinful lifestyle that I was living. I was living in my own deceit. I was like such a good liar that I believed my own lies. That I was okay. I was fine. And and then, yeah, January fifteenth came to pass. I promised God that. I'll serve him. And then, you know, seven days later, I went to missionary school. You know, I let go of college, let go of, you know, the college dream, the career, you know, making six figures, the, you know, kind of like the American dream. I had to put it aside. And, um, you know, it was, it was a good offer, but it wasn't good enough, you know, like to make excuses why not to go to missionary school. And uh, it wouldn't be a good, uh, good enough excuse for God for me. You know, now I don't serve God because I'm fearful of him that like at a point where, oh, if I stop serving him, he'll punish me with death or he'll let me pass away. But like I like I serve my dad or I, I honor my dad. I love him and out of honor, out of love. I serve I serve our Heavenly Father, and I continue doing what He has called me to do. I do have one quick question. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that you had this this word word from God, this prophecy months prior to 
to your to your moment of repentance. Now, the seven days after you repented, after January 15th, uh, obviously within those seven days, you decided to kind of leave your old life behind and, and uh, fly to Portland to missionary school. Um, now, was was that more so a step of faith because of what you heard from the prophecy a few months prior? Or was that coupled with also you felt a tug uh, on your heart towards the missionary field? Or did that come later? Just just to kind of put things in perspective for people who might be kind of in that boat right now. Was it more so you taking a step of faith from the prophecy? Or was it also uh, just like a, a conviction, a push from the Holy Spirit? Good question. I remember um, the very first students... It was Jason Dimitru and Andreas Markish. They were one of the first uh, first guys from our church. And then uh, Arthur, uh, no, Danny Sima and uh, Mark Carescu, they also uh, went to missionary school. And I man, I remember hearing, wow, they're, they're going to be missionaries. They're going to travel the world. And I was, I was in sin. Listen, I was going to church just to make my parents happy. But when I heard that, there would be like my heart. I remember my heartbeat would start like, would would accelerate it would go up and i remember like hearing my heartbeat in my in my temples and i'm like man like why do i care so much about doing missions if i'm not even saved and um it just kind of going to ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 where it talks about plans prepared beforehand like even before we were knit in our mother's womb like i believe god has created us with characteristics and a character and and talents and gifts that even before we were born he has already orchestrated in a way for us to be effective and efficient in men, in ministry like i used to be a stubborn person like in the world, but now I'm stubborn, you know, with the salvation of souls, I'm stubborn, I'm stubborn with deliverances, and I want people to be saved. And, you know, I'm stubborn with, with the devil, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let him win. I'm not gonna let the people that he's placed in my lives to, in my life to bring forth, uh, through, you know, through the word of God and through discipleship to salvation. I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, let that down. But it was, it was, it was before, even before I was saved. I remember in church hearing about missionaries and seeing, you know, people from Uganda, people from Kenya, these slideshows of missionaries. I'm like, wow, this would be awesome one day. And I, and I remember I was looking at the, I was looking at the pulpit. I'm like, man, how, how insane would it be for me, for me to one day come from a third world mission trip and be able to testify and witness at that pulpit. And then I would just kind of brush it off. Our, our church service would end. You know, I'd go about with my friends, with my daily routine, but it was definitely a tug in my heart even before I was saved. Like it was like a fire under my feet that I, I was, I, this I couldn't comprehend. I'm like, God, I just don't understand. Like I didn't understand that moment. Like why would I have these desires when I'm not even living a, you know, a righteous life before God? I'm not even living, you know, according to the, to the word of God. So how, how in the world is this going to happen? Like I'm, I'm the biggest hypocrite. But uh, yeah, and then, you know, hearing that, you know, receiving that word and, you know, everything falling into place, you know, the word even said that I've, I've, you know, God has orchestrated, he's planned the school for me to go to. And, you know, this will be in fulfillment to his will and his calling over my life. And I kind of just like, you know, if this is, you know, if, if it's at a point, like, maybe this is the wrong school. But what am I going to lose? You know, what's the worst? I'm going to learn morals. I'm going to learn values. I'm going to learn the word of God. I'm going to have a prayer life. I'm going to learn some type of discipline. But I just took it as a as a step of faith. And um, like, I don't know. It's not that like God gave me a supernatural revelation the day before I went to school. I just kind of went in faith like, hey, God, I know that you promised me or I promised you that I'll serve you the rest of my life. 
and here I am, you know, kind of send me, use me, you know, guide my footsteps. I, I really don't know where I'm going. I'm a new believer, but all I want to do is be available to be able to do your word, uh, your work and um, be able to, to, you know, to know about your word. I remember they, they told me to open up to Matthew and I was like looking at the beginning of the Bible. <laughs> in the middle. I didn't even know. I'm like, guys, I don't know anything, but I want to learn everything. And you know, they said, no, they, David, it's awesome that you have that, you know, that, um, that desire uh, to learn. I'm like, guys, you know, I, truly, I don't know. I don't know anything. I, you know, I remember from, I got kicked out of Sunday school. I was like the worst student in Sunday school. Um, and but man, God, God has his ways and God is merciful. God is, God is gracious. And I'm thankful that I am, you know, he's, he's molded me into the man that I am today. Amen. Amen. So you were at God will provide and, um, uh, which, uh, like you said, those guys that went before you, I mean, I had Andreas on the podcast. He talked, I don't, he didn't talk about that, but he, he, he that's how he started off in ministry. I also had Brian Chupay. I don't know if you ever crossed paths with him, uh, yeah. but yeah, but he, he went through that too. Um, so after, after God will provide how, what was like the first, uh, place you were called to, like, what was the, your first exposure to the mission field? So we had a, we had a short, a one week trip, uh, to Ensenada, Mexico that we had with the whole class. We we're split into like three, four different groups went throughout Mexico. It was just a one week trip. And I, I, man, I fell in love. I fell in love with serving these kids. I saw these kids like, man, they were happy for, for, I remember Fruit Loops. We were making Fruit Loop bracelets with verses on them, and they were just so so joyful and so pleased and so thankful, and and you know giving out you know food and 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 you now doing these outreaches. I'm like, man, like my heart's broken for these people. And then after the five months of school, the team and uh, our our pastors prayed for us, prayed for the whole for the whole class, and they they were led by God, and they commissioned me to go to Honduras. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I, I was looking at the as tickets the same night that it was revealed to us that we're going to Honduras. It's like 600 bucks. I'm like, man, it's kind of expensive. I don't think I can afford that. Um, and I prayed a simple prayer of faith. I closed my laptop, prayed for my laptop. I said, if I, if I see tickets tomorrow, less than 400 bucks, I know this is God's will for me to go. I remember I opened the laptop the day after, after school, I came home, rushed upstairs Tickets were like 381 or 386, if I'm not mistaken. So I bought my ticket. I even tell my parents. So my parents come in for graduation at the end of May. I believe May 20th, I landed in Chicago with my parents. And May 22nd, I flew out to Honduras for six months. So I told them, I'm like, hey, uh, uh, mom, dad, they were happy that I'm saved. And, you know, they kind of talked to me. I was like, hey, David, uh, you know, we're so thankful that God has that God has saved you. God has worked worked in you. He's molded you. He's shaped you. We see a difference in you. You know, they're kind of asking, like, what's the next step? Are you going to school? You know, like, you, do you want to, you know, build a family one day, make a family one day? But this is going to take, you know, financial provision. And I remember God revealing to me, like, specific visions of the mission field and and and, uh, and even heaven. And I'm like, Mom, as you know, as much as I honor you guys and, and you know, I love you guys, I'm like, but I have to go and I already bought my ticket. And um my I, I had like a spiritual it was like out of like not out of anger, but like a spiritual like such a zeal that all I could do was go upstairs and just, just worship God. So I went upstairs, prayed for about an hour or two, came back downstairs, and my parents blessed me to to go to Honduras. So I went out there for six months. Uh, I came back at the end of November, um, but it was it was the best uh, best six months of my uh, of my life. 
I would say, um, you know, thousands of dollars. Yes, you know, mission field stuff is, you know, it's, you know, it's poverty. People are really poor, but, you know, being a fatherly figure and kind of like a sustainer for 24 kids, it did take, a, um, you know, a lot of finances, but we thank God that he's been faithful through it all. I remember one night we had $9 in our safe and I was with the director, Yuri, at the time. And I'm like, God, I'm like, God, you, you have to multiply like your, your Jehovah Jireh, God who will provide. And I know that you won't go outside of, you know, you won't, that, that, that name of your character won't change no matter the circumstances. So we pulled the nine bucks out of the uh, yellow envelope and prayed for it. And we opened our eyes, it's still $9. But uh, I'm like, Yuri, don't worry. God has never failed us and he won't fail us now. There's no, there's no way. What did we, you know, and I'm not saying that I, I, I serve God because he gives me, but I, you know, God is, you know, he, he gives us, you know, our, our needs and he, he takes care of us. And, um, you know, we're just, we had bunk beds in the, in the leader's room. So, you know, we're just on our beds, you know, listen to a podcast, listen to a sermon. He was reading a book and a couple from the East coast calls us. They're like, Hey, Yuri, um, we've been, my, my husband and I, uh, have been desiring to send a financial donation to you guys. We've been looking at our ceiling fan the past few hours and we can't fall asleep. We were going to send the donation uh, tomorrow morning, but I believe God is calling us to send it tonight. So they sent us a $350 money gram, which was exactly the cost for the weekly vegetables and like the produce that we buy at the supermarket. So God, man, God is always faithful. And this is, this is kind of like a test of our faith. You know, if the word of God says that our that our faith is more precious than gold to God, how else is he going to, you know, uh, grow or how else, how else is our faith going to be grown if it's never put to the test? You know, kind of like physically speaking to the gym, you know, you never know how much you can truly lift until you're put to the test, until you know you hit your, uh, your, your PR, your personal record. And then, you know, God kind of adds like five more pounds, you know, to kind of strengthen you. And, you know, if you can't do it, well, you know, you can't, if you can't get past, let's say 225, you're never, you know, you're never going to get to 250. But if you keep going backwards, you'll never go forwards. I'm saying like, if you always decrease, you never advance in your faith. So, uh, you know, I kind of look at God and my, my relationship with him. And, you know, if, it, if a month or two goes by and I'm, there is no test, I'm like, God, you know, I, w- I want my faith to be increased. I want my, you know, my faith to be tested. And, you know, I want to be refined uh, as a vessel. I want to continue to be molded you know, by the potter. And this is, this is what we should desire as Christians for our faith to increase. And I tell many people, you know, our relationship with God is like a, a like a vehicle, a manual vehicle on a, on a hill. If those who don't, who don't drive manual, you know, the car, the car can't just stay put. It either goes backwards or forwards. If you're not on the brakes, you know, there's no really, there's no really no emergency break with your relationship with God. You know, you, you a day goes by that you don't read, a day goes by that you don't pray. You know, you can never make up that day. You can never make up those few hours that you would have spent spent in the closet with the, you know, in the prayer closet, or in the Word of God. So, you know, I'd say, you know, just be faithful in the little, and God will always, you know, He's always come through, and He, He, I, I believe that He takes you know, pleasure in, in, in giving us good things and always providing for us and for it to be a, a testimony of encouragement for those who may be going through a struggle or maybe going through a, you know, season of lack of faith. But, you know, everything that I'm here testifying, witnessing about is all for his glory and for the encouragement of the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. And, um, 
So after after you finished, you wrapped up the school. You went to Honduras. You were there for six six months, basically. Yeah, six months. Six months. So um, this is this is interesting because a lot of people um, there there's a clear distinction right here. Uh, a lot of us, like for, for me, for example, um, I've been on a couple of mission trips, but they've been uh, the longest one was like two and a half weeks, and I, I did that a couple of times. Uh, and a lot of Christians, a lot of people in the church, uh, whether it's the Romanian church, the American church, or uh, wherever you're at, um, usually at one point in their life has this sort of experience. Now, the difference between that and then what God has called you to is 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 pretty pretty big. There's a pretty distinct difference between the two. And uh, just because there's a lot more you're giving up, there's a lot more that you're investing for that particular mission. So... Um, how would you, how would you, well, first of all, how would you, um, define your experience, uh, being away that long, uh, for six months? How was it? Were there any hardships? Uh, were there anything, anything that you didn't expect? Were there things that you did expect? And then, um, also, uh, what are, what are common misconceptions from, from people on the outside looking in? So, um, for you growing up, going to that missionary school, eventually, uh, what expectations did you have before going on that six month trip? And uh, what uh, you as a seasoned missionary now, if, if we can say that compared to most people, um, how is it different? How's your perspective different now? So uh, what's the difference? And uh, what were some things that you had to learn being away from home for, for six months? I believe the biggest misconception of, of, of missionaries and missionary work is you know, just going to a third world country, you know, taking a picture of a cute boy, cute girl, you know, who's, you know, just not dressed properly or underdressed because of their financial, you know, circumstances, you know, tell someone like, Dios te bendiga, like, God bless you, or, you know, Jesus te ama, that Jesus loves you, and that's it, like, that's your whole mission. Uh, I remember getting there and you know, we have the sanctification prayer, the first, you know, we take a three-day fast, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sanctification sanctification and cleansing prayer for the orphanage and the kids. And I'm like, man, like, you know, well, this is like pretty serious. I was like, man, I'm here full of candy, full of, ready to give out the candy to the kids. And uh, we start praying and kids start manifesting. And um, I, I, I've been told after the prayer service, I was told that, you know, we have some kids who were, who are in witchcraft and you know their some of their parents are, are witch doctors or witches you know they're in sorcery and uh these people needed these kids needed deliverance at 13 14 years old and, and it's my first time you know we had that we had a class of de- demonology and they told us all of these like stories but it's different when you firsthand you know experience this and just see the 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 torment of the demons in the, in the physical body of the person and and um you know, just we were there three, four hours. I'm telling you, brother, like, like no nonstop. Like you, you just drank some water and you, you continued praying, interceding on the behalf and, and the freedom, you know, you know, that being set free for the person to be set free. And, and I was like, wow, this is completely different. Cause realistically, like when's, when's the, when's the only time, or have you ever seen that here in America? And I, you know, I realized like, man, the, uh, this this is this is the this is the true gospel message of Jesus Christ. Like wow, this is the full gospel message, and I realize like man, there has to there there has to be 
someone has to bring this to light like hey missions isn't just you know giving a homeless person you know it's like you're fighting for for their soul and we have to realize that some of these people that we witness to and that we evangelize to have been serving uh demons and and the devil for the past you know few decades and you know there has to something has to get out and you realize like even with with attendance nowadays, evictions, like, hey, the sheriff has to come and, and physically, you know, get them out of there, like, you know, pull them by, by, by their, by the collar and get them out of there. You, you yank them out of there and physically, like spiritually speaking, like there, there's, there have been in demonic roots for, for a long time. And it took a lot, a lot of praying and fasting. I remember my first six months, I lost about 52 pounds. Um, I was, <laughs> there was like this menu on the, on the kitchen table and it said today's today's a meal beans rice and Jesus Christ and that menu has not changed for six months brother <laughs> uh, uh, yeah it, it didn't change for six months back then we were like strictly on a, on you know beans rice chicken um, tortilla chips uh, eggs but it it was it was definitely a sacrifice like in and I remember the first three months I missions didn't really seem to be effective or efficient i was looking at the people and they kind of just saw me as the white guy who supposedly has has to have money and can bless us and he's gonna go home soon and i realized after three months and i really had to be one of them like to be efficient and to be effective you really had to be accepted by the people and i personally thought i was preaching you know phenomenal messages and i was like man these messages are like going to the front of the stage and coming back to me like no one's no one's, you know, accepting or no one's receiving. And I realized like once I became community with them and once I became family with them and I I made I made time throughout the day specifically to to learn Spanish and to learn the culture, then these people saw like wow, David is he's more interested in in getting the message to us than him kind of comp you know or like accommodating his, his American lifestyle here. Um, there was no times where we, we didn't have electricity. We didn't have light. You know, we didn't have AC. We didn't have, you know, fans. We didn't have power. We didn't have water, running water for you know, more than four or five days. So you definitely have to accommodate to the culture and, and to the people. You know, you look at uh, Paul when he taught Timothy, you go to the Jews, you become a Jew. You go to the Gentile, you become a Gentile. Why not not to, in a sense, um just be one of them but culturally speaking and and like to their uh sentimental values they see wow this 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 person truly cares about serving us and this is you know this is how even the christians you know the last things that jesus said like they'll know you by your love by your love for one another and you know if we can't if we can't accommodate ourselves to the people you know we're not you know we're we're nobodies. You know if you if you just think you're somebody going out there, it's like you you you're the know it all, and you're gonna you know help these people. That like well, they've taught me a lot. And I'll tell you, brother, and those who are listening, I I believe uh, the locals and the rehab center, the children have taught me, and God has used them more to impact my life than I ever did their life like man wow did i come back thankful for wi-fi i came back thankful for for a good bed i remember i went to guatemala i slept in a barn on hay you know with the horse next door i i showered in in a river i you know we 
I was eating beans and rice day and night and, you know, not even that, not just eating, you know, not being kind of like malnourished, but you're also fasting a lot, you know, for the spiritual warfare to, to, to come, you know, to, to combat the devil and his tactics, his schemes, his plans. And, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing can be accomplished without prayer and fasting. And, you know, nothing cannot be accomplished with praying and fasting. You know, I, it's always hand in hand and, you know, especially God's word. And instead of setting that time aside, um, you do, you, and this is like for those who are serving or planning on serving, uh, my biggest recommendation is in the morning, each morning is just set set time alone with the Father or you're going to wear out. You know, like us as Christians, like, oh, I'm so, so pumped up, so fired. And yeah, that, that physical zeal will last you for a week, for a month. But wow, do you get tired just pouring out? And I realized I, I received this like revelation when I was preparing one of the sermons. Like, man, I have to pour. The only thing that I can pour out is anything that overflows my top. You know, so once I'm full, the only the only thing that I can feed the church is what's overflowing from me. But if I'm not if I'm not filled myself, um, I'm I'm trying to you know pour out dry bones, and it's not gonna you know the word of God won't be uh, won't be preached as boldly as you know as empowered or as anointed uh, if you don't if you don't fill yourself with the word of God with you know in Holy Spirit. Um, t- too many people, even even me, before I was I was baptized and filled with with the Holy Spirit. I uh, I thought he was a cloud. I thought he was you know just just praying in tongues. I thought he was a prophecy, but he's he's a person. He's you know he grieves. He he longs for that relationship to have with us. And you know I feel like too many people, it no offense, kind of like you know either kick him to the curb or or just box him in to Stadwinsa or to the prophetic or to visions and that's, or to speaking, praying in tongues, speaking in tongues. And that's it. That's all he is. But we do have to realize that he is, he, he can, he can grieve, you know, we can grieve the Holy spirit. And, you know, I've always, you know, every time, if there's ever been a time where I, I didn't set a, a time, um, it's not because I felt bad, but because I missed I'm, it's like a relationship. You don't, you know, I don't, I don't give my mom a hug when I come home from work because I feel bad for her. It's I, I miss her. You know, I don't talk with my dad and my parents, and my family, uh, because out of, out of a pity for them, but because I love them, because I desire that that unity. I desire that fellowship. I desire uh, that intimacy in the relationship. But yeah, man, the, does the mission field kind of like flex you and and you know you, it it turns you, it flexes you, it 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 molds you into ways it shapes you into shapes that you never thought you could fit into and it just uh, it's a molding process i look you know look as the word of god says a potter you know as he molds us it's like man he, he stretches you god stretches you to see like where's your breaking point and you know how far will you go on your own strength when you realize that i'm the only one who can give you strength this was kind of like a big breaking point in my life or in my you know the, the mission field the first month i'm like wow I cannot do this. I remember I took a calendar and I already started Xing out the days. I'm like, man, I cannot wait to get home to American soil. Um, enough with the sacrifices, enough with this. And then I, re- I re- received this revelation. It's like, David, you're frustrated. You're annoyed. Uh, you feel like you can't do it because you're doing it on your own strength. If you would just, you know, give me your availability and I'll do the rest. And not that I'm saying like, oh, just give God everything and you're on the spiritual cruise control. 
but um, let God reveal his strength in your weaknesses. You know, too many of us Christians never want to reveal our weaknesses or our shortcomings. It's like, but then where, where, where can God receive or where can we witness or where can we testify that God has strengthened us if we're never quote unquote weak, you know? And um, so from these trips, you, you talked about Honduras, Tanzania, um, how that's kind of molded you and changed you over, over these last couple of years. Um, you already mentioned a few stories already, but uh, I want to give you the opportunity to maybe pick uh, maybe two or so of the, I don't want to say the craziest, you know, for the sake of clickbait, but I'm saying like two of the most profound uh, spiritual experiences that you've witnessed firsthand uh, in those respective uh, countries in the mission field. What are what are a couple of them? Uh, how did it come to be? How were the people in the country affected? How were you infected? Uh, affected? Uh, how did that? How did that all happen? Um, my I'd say the first one of the very first uh, deliverances that I've witnessed was in El Salvador. Um, I remember sharing my testimony at a prayer meeting. We were in El Salvador building the first Pentecostal Christian church because the Pentecostals in this little village of El Salvador in the mountains, they were meeting from house to house every night as like a prayer gathering. And they reached out to us and said, hey, we have a, we have a desire to to build a church, but we just don't have the finance, financial and the physical um, provision to do so. We don't have the, you know, the the manpower and we don't have the finances, the resources. So us being tugged by the, uh, the spirit of the Lord to go help them after praying and fasting for this, we accepted. And, uh, I remember witnessing to, to a younger man, 17, a younger boy, 17, 18 years old. And he's like, Hey, do you know God? And I'm like, man, how, how wouldn't you know? Like, aren't you, aren't you saved? Like, uh, we're building the church. We're like digging the foundation for the church. And he's like, he just nods that. He's like, mm, okay, sounds good. I'm like, okay, well, that was odd. And um, he, I then later met him at prayer meeting. And he looked at me after I shared my testimony. And as, as soon as soon as I live, I, I asked the congregation to raise their, to raise their feet, rise to their feet. And begin praying. You know, I, I gave them a uh, motivation for prayer. He started manifesting, and I looked to the to the evangelist that I was with, and I'm like, "Hey, Kevin, like, what what should we do?" He's like, "Hey, grab a hold of him and, and hold him down, or we're gonna pray for his for his deliverance for freedom." And I remember praying for him, and he's like trying. The demon was trying to like bite me. He was trying to like, uh, uh, you know get away from us there's like three three four guys my size so i would say like a good 800 pounds on this on this young guy he's maybe 130 120 pounds and he was lifting off the ground and i was like wow like man is this guy was this demon spirit like wow like is this phys this guy has physical strength like wow i can't believe it and um after about like 30, 40 minutes of us, you know, just re rebuking and, and binding and casting out all the, all the demonic spirits, you know, in him, um, he, he came to a point where, you know, he, he, he vomit, he threw, he threw up and he, it was like a stage of like euphoria. He, three, four minutes, you couldn't really talk to him and he, he snapped out of it. And the first thing that he said in Spanish is like, wherever I came from, never let me go back. And he kind of closed his eyes again. 
And I, I talked to him. I witnessed, or like I, I witnessed what happened. I'm like, hey man, this is what happened. I talked to you previously, and he's like, man, I don't even remember talking to you when we we're when we were at the church. We were at the church today. I'm like, hey, like, what do you mean? He's like, the past three years, because of a deep porn addiction, I've been living third person my whole life. Like, I would see my hand raised, but I'm not the one raising it. Like, I remember going places and then coming back home, but I, me forgetting, like, he had such a, like, such a deep uh, demonic possession in his life. And I was like, wow, this is, this is wild to think that people, people just through, we would say like, oh, a, a slip up or a simple porn addiction, you know, a simple, like quote unquote, simple, like just a little porn addiction, you know, so many demons can enter someone. And it's like, man, uh, I remember talking to a pastor and he said, David, um, the more and more you, you have this habitual sin, you uh, wider and wider open the gates and you're never, you, you know, you're never promised or you ne- you never know when something is going to enter, but the wider, the wider the, the gate is for the cattle, the more cattle are going to enter in a sense, you know, he's kind of giving me this, uh, this example. And, you know, the, the deeper and deeper you are in sin without confession is the, the greater and, and wider and, and greater the, you know, the bigger the opportunity, the greater the chance that the devil has to, to work and and enter your life and you know it's sad to see that there's there's even people in our church who who are struggling with the same addictions and they just think it's a simple mess up and it's like hey if you realize like hey if you you're dealing with the same things over and over again you're confessing at night but you're resurrecting the same desires in the flesh each morning like where's where has the crucifixion of the flesh been like where where is the testimony of picking up your cross daily? Like, hey, I'm a man too. And, you know, uh, that's what the word of God says. You know, you're, you're the lustful desires of the flesh of the youth. You know, these things have to be crucified each morning. And I remember talking to him. He's like, well, I, I tried taking fasting, like three days fasting for holiness, for sanctification, and for this and this. But I'm like, man, there's something there's something so so powerful in in con- professing and confessing with your lips like there's i remember doing deep confessions in in missionary school man when i when i confessed about two hours i spent with that pastor in the room and i wanted every single ounce of sin off of my shoulders and i wanted no room for the devil to point out anything in my life and i told him everything from the smallest life from the the quarter that i've stolen from, you know, anything, anything that I've cheated on, you know, test everything, everything I told this pastor. He said, wow, David, like this, this has been such like an in-depth confession. I said, hey, well, I want everything. I want everything out. I want, I don't want the devil to have anything to point his finger at me. And um, going back to this boy, he said, uh, David, thank you so much for, for, for praying for me. Thank you so much for battling, you know, this, this, this fight for me. Cause I wasn't able to do it on my own. I said, Hey, it's not me. It's Jesus Christ. Cause on that cross, he said, it is finished. There's nothing you and I can do to, you know, to save anyone else or save, uh, be, uh, quote unquote, be a savior myself. I'm just here, you know, professing and, and bringing forth the, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And this is the, the word of God is what sets you free. And whom the sun sets free is free. Indeed. I said, I said, brother, like Jesus Christ sets you free, but it's now uh, discipline and discipleship that will keep you free. I'm like, hey, here's the word of God. Um, you know, get in, you know, get get your head into it and, you know, dig deep. Uh, you know, it's so many times we we make excuses to scroll on social media for three, four hours a day. 
and it's hard for us to read three, four chapters a day. Oh, cause we don't have time, you know, but you know, our, our, our phones are a witness that we do have a lot of time, you know, going back to the screen, you know, if you go back to the iPhone, you can check the screen time. And, uh, yeah, so I have, I feel like, uh, sometimes we just, not that there's, it's not accessible. It's like, we, we just don't want it. And, uh, you know, I, I look at this, like, I look at this man who's like, man, I wanted to be free so long. And I'm so thankful that you guys made your major. It was like a four or five hour trip from our orphanage to go out to this, uh, um, to go out to this village and build this church and praise the Lord. He's still serving to the church in this church today, five years later. And this is where, um, you know, this truly remarks the, the signs of a, a true convert. It's, you know, we're not just, um, the word of God doesn't tell us to make converts of all nations, but disciples of all mm-hmm. nations. And, you know, Marcus and I were talking earlier before we began the podcast, like there's so many people who profess and confess themselves as Christians, but we're all in a sense empty or all so weak that, you know, there's, there's millions and billions of us, but we don't see, you know, the gospel in a sense being advanced or or spread as quickly as the 12 were who so faithful you know there's 12 12 men but so filled with the power of the holy spirit so filled with this supernatural boldness just to go out no matter you know them being exiled no matter them being persecuted you know even even killed martyred for the gospel message but there was like no plan b for them this is all they knew is to go uh, profess the the name of jesus christ but um second second most impactful or most uh huh second most amazing or well while you think uh, about it i do want to you go you can go ahead and think about it but wow that was amazing i mean that that testimony and just because it's like you said it's something that we in america see as so we in the first world country wherever you're at we see it as so trivial and so uh, insignificant. We see the consequences of it basically be a slap on the wrist every single day. Something that we can kind of control and kind of push away. And uh, and it's, I mean, it, it, that's not the case. And we and we see it here. And I and I and I truly believe. And you can you can either correct me uh, on this or agree with me on this or affirm me uh, because you have exper- more experiences in the mission field. Uh, but I do believe that we don't see manifestations in the United States. Uh, more more than we do in third world countries because we don't experience the same revivals uh, that uh, here in the states than we see in, in third world countries. It doesn't mean that there are more sinful people in these smaller countries than there are in the United States. I hundred percent believe that the the most corrupt, spiritually corrupt country in the world is the, is the U.S. But we don't see we're we we do not see these these revivals these transformations happening and and then people are just living in the dark we can't get out the only way that we can expose this is we can bring our sins through confession into the light instead of leaving it in the dark and it's it's crazy and i, and I it's scary for a lot of young people who or older people who, or whatever you are to basically put these sins aside and, and count them as trivial where in the long run, it does like a great spiritual detriment to your to your to your soul, and uh, to your body, and to to the people around you. So um, that's amazing. I, I hope that's like a. I mean that that convicted me. That, that I hope that's the testimony for all people that no matter what sin it is, especially um, if it's something that is habitual or if it's something that we kind of disregard. Hopefully, that every single day we go before the Lord in prayer and just confess everything. And so, like you said, so that so the enemy can't have anything to uh, hold us back. So. 
That's amazing. I was I was really encouraged by that. That's awesome, and praise God for for that young man and how God worked through you guys to to help deliver him. Amen. To God be the glory. Uh, going back to what you mentioned about seeing uh, deliverances and you know the spiritual manifestation of uh, the Spirit of the Lord, it's you know going back to Mark chapter sixteen verse seventeen. The Word of God says, "These signs will accompany those who believe." In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serp serpents with their hands. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Verse 17 remarks, those who believe, not those who have been baptized 20 years ago, those who stay in the church you know, or have been in the church for 50 years, those who believe. And uh, it's sad to say, like, yeah, it's awesome that we have these these huge, some of these churches in America, Romanian Pentecostal churches, like thousand plus, th thousand plus members, but how many of us believe? And uh, going back to this, I remember during another deliverance, uh, this young boy, we took a five-day fast for his deliverance and, and, and uh, uh this this uh it ties in with this um they they these days of fast that I took uh the devil will always try to tempt you in the most um clever ways you know he's been doing the same tricks two thousand two thousand years later he still makes people stumble and fall the same old tricks he hasn't gotten smarter he hasn't gotten more intelligent it's the same old tricks the same cleverness but he's still uh, finds people, you know, still finds a way to make people to make people fall. And on the fifth day, I remember eating beans and rice Monday through Thursday. Friday, the fifth day of my fast, it's the the day that uh, the girls, the missionary girls, um, tried making homemade uh, uh, chicken fried rice. And I remember smelling the food, and I'm like, wow, like what an espita, like what a, what a temptation from, from the <laughs> devil, you know, straight the devil only knew how hungry I was. And, um, don't, don't let that, uh, uh, don't let that hinder you from being a woman or a man of your word. If you tell God, Hey God, I want to bring a day of fast before you. I, I promise you it's always been for me too. It's the day that the boss brings bagels and coffee to, to the job site, or it's the day that, you know, it's free, free Dunkin' Donuts or free star. It's the day that you have 20% off on, on the Frappuccino or, or, or whatever, but don't, don't compromise on your, on your promises with God. Don't promise, don't, don't compromise on, on, on things that you set before God and you, you want to be uh, a man of your word. If you, if, if God can't find you faithful with the day of fast, or if God can't find you uh, faithful, like with, Hey, I'm going to tithe 20% this month. And, and you may, maybe the month that you get the bonus check and, Oh, but this is more than 20%. Now it's like, be a man of your word and God will honor and respect that. And God will, will see that if he can, if you can be faithful with the little, he will definitely entrust you with more. But if he can't entrust you, you know, if you can't find you faithful with the day of fast or, you know, a tithing gift or, you know, promising to help someone and you're just, you know, not going through with it, following up with it, you know, I, I truly, I have this one advice if I can give to to new believers or, or people who, who want to grow in being used by God or, or you know, advance, advance that uh, that work in their lives, 
of God working in and through them is be really diligent and, uh, you know, be, be a man and woman of your word. Um, going to the uh, second testimony, um, it was another, uh, another young boy from our orphanage who also had a, he said he would, uh, sleep paralysis. He said he he would wake up, he would open up his eyes, but you have demons tormenting him at night, and so we took the five day fast for him. And during that five during that deliverance prayer, I think there were six or seven of us missionaries with the pastor in the prayer meet in the prayer meeting room in the office in the prayer office. And uh, after ten minutes, we see that nothing is like really changing, and uh, the pastor had a, had like a word of knowledge that there's someone with unbelief. And their unbelief hindered the boy from, even though the rest of us six believe, their unbelief hindered uh, God's work to coming to completion. And this is kind of like, as the word of God says, like, you know, don't, don't test God. You know, don't, don't, don't put, what else did God, does God have to reveal to you that he is, you know, uh, that Christ is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, you know, he's already done everything. Like there's, Yes, God will answer sometimes even, you know, quote unquote wild prayers, but uh, don't I I recommend don't test God like, oh, um I don't know what that brother or sister, I didn't open my eyes to see who left the room, but after they left the room, um, you know, like 10 15 minutes the boy was delivered and he was actually baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and the same prayer. So to God be the glory. Uh there is so much yeah, there's so much power though in in praying and fasting. I don't. I feel like we're so knowledgeable nowadays. We have all the books, um, the most studious people, um, but they kind of they they lack one part. And I, I talked to a pastor. He said, "Look at a bird. If a bird only flapped one of its wings, it'd only be going in circles. Like there has to be, um, um, there has to be a." Uh, not necessarily a scale, but there has to be a balance of, of what you, you know, how much you read and how much you study. And, and brothers and sisters, I recommend, yes, I right here I have a bookshelf, maybe like 50 books. I, I love reading, but there's nothing like the Word of God. This is the bread of life. These books that, that I have are like a little snack time. is you know, like 5, 10, 50, 50 minutes throughout the day. But if, hey, do not... Do not uh, read books more than you read the Word of God. This is the bread of life. Everything else should be should be a snack and and truly get into the Word of God. There's never been a time where I've been lost or um, you know I I had I lacked something and the Word of God didn't speak to me directly and and like wow like to to for it to speak to me I know it's, it doesn't have a voice like it's not it's not it's just words on on paper but it's it truly speaks to my soul it's brought there's been times of anxiety anxiousness and worry where i would just recite and confess the word of god the his promises and it just brought peace that supernatural peace that the word of god talks about that surpasses human understanding and this could only be god you know who else could it be amen yeah that's great to hear and uh i like that the last testimony also included someone from the mission field as well because I mean, regardless of what ministry we serve in, we're not perfect people. We're going to have our moments, our slip-ups, our 
are short times of unbelief or, or lack of faith. And I mean, we see it in the scripture with, with the disciples, with the apostles, and we, we, we see it in our own lives too. And that's something to, to obviously keep in mind. Um, but, but then again, we got to be faithful that the Lord is going to, going to work in our, in our lives and, uh, be faithful and steadfast, um, all of the day. So, uh, David, as we, as we wrap this episode up, I do want to ask, I kind of like this final over, reaching kind of this general question um, as we conclude for, for the people out there who are listening, who may be interested in pursuing uh, this particular ministry, or maybe they're already there and they have questions or maybe they know someone that they can kind of impart their knowledge on. But um, what would you, what would you recommend? What is like the one, like the biggest piece of advice you can give specific to mission, uh, mission work to someone who is either considering it or just starting out, or maybe kind of stuck somewhere, and, and they're unsure of uh, what to do next. But uh, from your ex- personal experiences, uh, what would you tell them? Um, faith is believing in the unseen. Um, everything I believe um, in kingdom work takes some amount in type of faith. I'm not saying for everyone to drop their careers or for everyone to tell their moms and dads, hey, look, I listened to David and he, this is what he did. Listen, this is my, this is my, like, this is person what happened to my life, but it's not the only, it's not the correct way. Like, this is like, it's, it's not, it's not written in the Bible to do what I did, but it's, it's obviously my calling and I had to be obedient. And, um, you know, going back to, uh, the scriptures where, you know, the parable of the great banquet, uh, there's people, you know, who said, oh, but I just bought oxen. I'm going to check up on them. Oh, I just bought land. And when the servant asked them to, you know, be invited, I'm going to go check up on the land. Oh, I just got married. Uh, I'm going to go, you know, enjoy my marriage. And I'm not saying, you know, don't buy land or don't don't buy a house or don't have things of this world or don't be, get married to God be the glory, like multiply in Jesus name. But don't let don't let those these things, materialistic speaking, and even relationships, possess you. Like don't let these these worldly things possess you. And my biggest, even me as a as a missionary or like a seasonal missionary, as as I go out, you know, sometimes for a few months out of the year. My biggest uh, contemplation or my biggest thing that I deal with every time I, I get back, it's like, man, am, am I the only one who's doing it wrong? Like, look, I look at my friends, they're already making six figures. Like some of them bought houses. Some of them are married. Some of them are, already have kids. And I'm like, man, like, did, did I, am I missing out on something or did I not read something or am I just taking it too seriously? Like the gospelness, am I taking the word of God too seriously? And I realized like, Hey, it's at the end of the day, and on Judgment Day, it's going to be me and God. It's not going to be me, my mom, and my dad and God. It's not going to be me and my pastor and God. It's not going to be me and my brother and God. It's not going to be me and my friends and God. It's not going to be me and the Bethany youth and God. It's just going to be me and God. And I don't want to stand before God and have regrets of, oh, I wish I would have sacrificed more. I wish I would have gone on more trips. I wish I would have prayed more. I wish I would have fasted more. I wish I would have gave more. And listen, listen to this. And this is my mentality too, as a non, as a non-believer, I spent 25 grand on a new car when I was 17 without even thinking about it. I'm like, man, I deserve a car. I worked for this. 
And then when they asked for, for finances, I'm like, man, 20 bucks, I barely pulled it, pulled it out of my pocket. And this is, this is like the, a compromise that I tried making with God. And I realized at the end of the day, there's not going to, there's going to be no excuse, just like in the parable of the banquet, that's good enough to kind of like tell God why, why you kind of pushed, pushed away his work and, you know, fulfilled other type of desires. And again, like I mentioned, don't get me wrong. Don't, I don't want you guys to point fingers like, wow, David told us to not care about anything. We're just, you know, but the reality is we're just passing through this world. Like we're just, no matter how much you own property, at the end of the day, we're just renters. You know, this is not our home. We're just passing by our homes in eternity. Our our eyes should be focused about upon eternity. And of those who are contemplating, you know, mission work, and maybe you guys already have a good financial job, you know, find find some time to go, you know, take a week break or, you know, sacrifice, I'm so sorry, sacrifice your vacation uh, to go on a mission field. Like this, this is actually a sacrifice that will have an eternal reward. Uh, instead of, you know, a vacation, like, you know, people always tell me, well, God never called me to Honduras or God never called me to Tanzania. And my response is, well, when did God call you to Punta Cana or when did God call you to, to these vacations? Like you just, you just told God you made up your mind you're going because you deserve it. But doesn't God deserve the glory? Doesn't he deserve uh, ourselves as living sacrifices to be used as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ? Listen, Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is physically not here with us, but he has given us the message of God. He has, he has ascended to heaven and God has poured out his Holy Spirit. He has pulled, poured out this living spirit to empower us to be the bold witnesses. Brothers and sisters, we have to be witnesses. You know, Mission Field isn't, isn't just Tanzania. Mission Field isn't Honduras. Mission Field is where your two feet stand. If you're working behind Starbucks, you're a missionary there. You're a missionary for your coworkers. You're a missionary for your, maybe you work construction. You're a missionary for the job site. You're a college student. You're a missionary for the teacher. You're a missionary for the classmate next to you. You may be going to church and you have a, a bench warmer next to you, a church bench warmer. All he does is just go, to, you're lifting your hands. You're praising God, you know, fully devoted. And through that, our lifestyle is the greatest witness that Jesus Christ has truly transformed our lives. Um, if there's anyone else, you know, out there who's contemplating and has, you know, um, you know, maybe maybe have family problems. Your parents won't let you. Your parents won't bless you. Uh, maybe this could be saved for another episode, you know. But the Word of God says, you know, if you don't hate your mother or father, you know, you can't be a follower of Christ. So it's gonna mm-hmm. take a it's gonna take a price. This like no good. No good sacrifice is no or no good sacrifice without a price, you know. So, um, yeah, to wrap that up, you know, just pray, pray that God may open doors. There's, there's never been a time where my, I believe my prayers have reached just the ceilings. They reach God, and there's never been a time where I prayed to God. You know, God opened these doors, and in His due timing, listen. Sometimes God puts us through the waiting process. And in this waiting process, he kind of wants to see what we're going to do. We're going to go on our own ways or we're still going to trust in him. And, you know, I'm not saying, you know, Abraham, you know, 99 years old waiting for, for a kid. But sometimes, God, there there is a there is a waiting process. And, you know, you could do it your own way. Ishmael, you can wait for God's promise, Isaac. And this is sometimes, you know, don't, 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 uh, don't rush things for the counterfeit. You know, I kind of always wait God for the real thing and I always wait for God to, to move. But again, he's not gonna, God's not gonna, 
um, you know, fill up my luggage and say, all right, David, here's your clothes, go. You know, so it also takes our, our feet. Like God is, he's, he's working, he's on the move, but it also takes our two feet to get out of the house and go to the airport. So uh, God bless all those uh, who have listened to this podcast, who, who, who've been encouraged by the message. I just pray that these testimonies were encouragement to the body of Christ. I pray that those who, who feel a calling over their lives to be, you know, evangelists, to be missionaries, that they may pursue that calling with diligence, that they may pursue that calling wholeheartedly and, uh, you know, truly, truly weigh the cost of, you know, the cost of discipleship in the word of God. You know, it costs your life. And if you're not willing to, to die to your flesh, you're not really willing to live for Christ. So God bless those who are listening and may you guys be encouraged, blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Marcus, uh, for this opportunity, for this privilege to be able to get onto this platform on social media. And I just pray that, um, you know, countless opportunities of those who are listening, who those who the future speakers may just be a blessing to the audience in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And David, thank you so much for, for being on here and sharing your story. Um, I, I know a common misconception for a lot of people uh, regarding this ministry is that I constantly have to put stuff together to pour out to other people, to the other listeners. But what they don't real, recognize and realize is that I'm I'm constantly edified by every single guest that I have. And I'm I'm just being filled up and I'm encouraged. And I'm, I feel commissioned and, and ready to go and ready to, to, to work for the Lord. So I really appreciate Hallelujah. our conversation, David. And uh, I'm excited for what's to come. I'm excited for, for the way that God's going to work in, in not only our lives, but everyone's lives uh, who, are, who are committed to him, who submit to him. So uh, praise God for that. Now, uh, David, um, if people want to find you on on the internet, social media, or if they want to find uh, some of the accounts related to the mission work that you, that you do, I know. I think today you shared a video. Actually, um, I think it was from your most recent trip. But if if people want to find you there, either to connect with you, or if they want they the mission uh, accounts, maybe to either follow follow it, see what's going on, maybe contribute eventually. Uh, where can they find uh, uh, all that information? So since I do, I do travel worldwide, sometimes my I know I'm not always on the same phone, phone number. I change my SIM card. You guys can find me on Facebook at David Kish, C-H-I-S, on Instagram at underscore David Kish. And then you can follow our our ministry page out in Honduras at GWP Honduras. And then um, if you guys you guys can stay updated with uh, local mi- uh, ministries that we do out there, uh, mission trips, evangelism trips that we'll be that we have done and will be doing. Every time I get a group out there to go, you know, I just I just I tried uh, to get a group out there going for this utility trip. Unfortunately, you know, people had other uh, priorities. You know, I'm not. Saying, God bless them for what they you know that they that what they're doing, but they, unfortunately they couldn't make it. But yeah, you guys, if you guys want to DM me, you guys can find me on social media. See where kind of God's leading me, where God's been leading me and will be leading me and the future trips and doors that he's open for me to serve in. Um, you guys, if you guys ever want to come on a trip, contact me. I'll let you kind of let you know the gist of it. Um, if you guys need prayer requests, you know, I'm here to pray. If you guys need fasting, you know, uh, I would love to pray and, and fast for the body of Christ. Uh, to carry each other's burdens. This is how we'll be finishing the race, to carry each other's, you know, whatever you guys are going through. 
Uh, I'm sure, you know, uh, testimonies will come out of this as well. Because we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. May you guys be blessed abundantly in Jesus' mighty name. Uh, again, follow those accounts. Keep stay posted with our with the work of God in in this country, in Honduras, with the orphanage, with the local outreaches. And yeah, may you guys be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. And for you guys out there, uh, again, just a couple of announcements. You can follow us on our Instagram for any and all updates at the Potter's House. Uh, we're streaming, uh, available on multiple platforms, most notably Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you can, go to that purple icon, the Apple Podcast icon, scroll down, tap the stars, leave a written review. It really helps the exposure of the show, and I will read it out loud on the episode, uh, on the subsequent episode as well. So uh, last but not least, we have the, the website over there, pottershouse.com. Uh, more updates to come with that. So far, we just got the shirts up there, so... Uh, that's that. But thank you guys so much for your encouragement, for your support, for all the kind words and your prayers. Uh, I really appreciate it, and we really see it here in, in this ministry that um, that God has put together. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate it, and we will see you next time.